Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. Welcome to your Sunday liturgy. This is the program that accompanies you as you prepare for the Sunday Eucharistic celebration. After the Sunday liturgy, you can listen to our bulletin of church news that will be followed by Panorama. Then, our feature, The World Around Us, with news about our environment. I'm Father Paul Samasumo. Now, lepers in biblical times were considered contagious, unclean, and as such were excluded from the life of the community. What can that say about us today? Perhaps that even when the world gives up on us, Jesus himself does not. Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, If someone has on his skin a scab or pustule or blotch, which appears to be the sore of leprosy, he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of the priests among his descendants. If the man is leprous and unclean, the priest shall declare him unclean by reason of the sore on his head. The one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent and his head bare, and shall muffle his beard. He shall cry out, Unclean! Unclean! As long as the sore is on him, he shall declare himself unclean, since he is in fact unclean. He shall dwell apart, making his abode outside the camp. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, 
Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Avoid giving offense, whether to the Jews or Greeks or the Church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in every way, not seeking my own benefit, but that of the many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I do will it, be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately, and he was made clean. Then warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad, so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord And now with this week's Sunday Liturgy Reflection, here is Father Enobong. Last Sunday in the Gospel reading, Jesus healed the mother-in-law of Peter and many other sick people who were brought to him. This Sunday, the Gospel narrative continues with the healing of the leper who came to Jesus. He said to Jesus, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Oh, what a beautiful moment it was to be touched by Jesus, even though he was a leper and unclean. By the law, the leper was not to have any contact with other people. He was to be kept outside the community, and whenever he is passing, he should cry, unclean, unclean, so that clean people will avoid him. How painful it can be to be abandoned and to be cast away from the family, loved ones and the community because of sickness. The pain of staying away in a lonely habitat for the period the sickness lasted could be so unbearable that the leper decided to go and seek help from the Lord. He must have heard all the signs and wonders performed by Jesus and so he took a leap of faith. Standing before the Lord in humility, he asked for help. His was a request made in faith because he knew that Jesus had the power to heal him. He also knew that Jesus could redefine his status in the community of persons. Therefore, he did not allow his state as a leper to deter him from approaching Jesus. Jesus Christ, in his characteristic way, could not ignore this humble leper who demonstrated the faith he had in him. Leprosy in biblical language is often equated with the state of living in sin. Sin alienates us from God and from the community of the faithful. Because of sin, we can no longer participate in the community life of the people of God. But in Christ Jesus, there is hope of redemption. He is always full of mercy and love for the sinner. 
just as he did for the leper. Having heard the leper confess, he had pity on him and healed him. By touching the unclean man, the unblemished one took his faults, his sickness, upon himself. He replicated this act again on the cross by taking upon himself our sins. Jesus is not afraid to associate or touch the unclean. Unworthy as we are, we have not lost our identity as God's children. In Christ Jesus, we can reclaim our heritage. He made himself the guilty one so that we can be liberated. We cannot repay this gesture of love with ingratitude. In appreciation of God's love in our life, we are expected to contribute to the glory of God and the good of all by letting our society feel the impact of our salvation in Christ. Tell abroad the love of God, put forth his works, and let the earth resound with his praise. This is our mission. May the message of Christ in all his richness continue to find a home in our hearts through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Peace be with you. Father Hilary Munyaneza, Robin Peary, and Father Enobongo Daidium contributed to the program. I'm Father Paul Samasumo. Do stay tuned in for our Bulletin of Church News and later the world around us all about our environment. Festus Tarawali, Pope Francis on Saturday morning received an audience members of Italy's Corf Artigianato, the General Federation of Italian Artisans and Craftsmen. In his address in the Paul VI Hall, he exhorted them to be artisans of peace and fraternity in a world ravaged by war and in a world in which the poor are discarded. Lisa Zengarini reports. Addressing some 5,000 members of the Confartigianato Association in the Paul VI Hall, Pope Francis reflected on craftsmen's creativity, remarking that their work is connected to three parts of the body. The first part are the hands. Manual labor involves the craftsman in God's creative work, and as such is not equal to producing, said the Pope. It involves the creative capacity that can combine the skill of the hands, the passion of the heart, and the ideas of the mind. Noting that not everyone is fortunate enough to have this ability, he encouraged those present not to hesitate to offer job positions to the most vulnerable in society, including people with disabilities. Ogni persona va riconosciuta nella sua dignità di lavoratore. 
Every person must be recognizing their dignity as a worker, the Pope stressed. The second part of the body needed for craftsmen's work are the eyes, that is the ability to see a masterpiece in inert matter even before creating it, which brings them closer to the Creator. Indeed, the Pope said, with their work, craftsmen teach us to recognize the value and beauty of the material that God has placed in our hands and therefore to reject the throwaway mentality of our modern consumerist societies. Finally, Pope Francis recalled the feat as craftsmen's artifacts travel throughout the world, meeting people's needs and allowing to develop human relationships. This is why, he said, craftsmen can be seen as artisans of fraternity like the Good Samaritan. Concluding, Pope Francis therefore encouraged those present to be artisans of peace and fraternity. Le vostre mani, i vostri occhi, i vostri piedi siano segno di un'umanità creativa e generosa. May your hands, eyes and feet be a sign of a creative and generous humanity, he said. I am Lisa Zengarini. Also on Saturday morning, Pope Francis met with the directors and staff of the Vatican Inspectorate of Public Security. Joseph Tullock reports. The Inspectorate of Public Security, which is the police force that operates in the Vatican's St. Peter's Square, is employed by the Italian state. It thus differs from the Vatican Gendarmerie and the Pontifical Swiss Guard, which normally operate within the Vatican's walls, so not in St. Peter's Square, and are financed by the Church. Pope Francis began his address to the Inspectorate by giving thanks for the officer's faithful and patient work, which, he said, guarantees visitors the opportunity to experience moments of faith and prayer in a serene atmosphere of order and security. Yours, the Pope said, is a job requiring courage, tact, steady nerves, attention and understanding. He also thanked the police officers for helping visitors to the Vatican with requests for information and small unforeseen incidents, as well as aiding those who turn to the officers to express discomfort or because they are searching for understanding and empathy. In his address to the police officers, Pope Francis also offered a number of reflections on the deeper purpose of policing. St. Pope John XXIII, he noted, once said that the task entrusted to law enforcement officers is a burdensome one, which requires great moral qualities and, above all, dedication and self-sacrifice for the achievement of the common good. This is why, Pope Francis said, he called you good servants of the human community and builders of peace in society. These, the Pope said, are words laden with meaning that well express both the expectations that we have of you which are sometimes very demanding, and the ideals that inspire you. This is because, Pope Francis stressed, the common good and peace in society are not things that just happen overnight or naturally blossom on their own. The dark side of human nature, limited and wounded by sin, entails the need for people who, when faced with evil, do not stand by and watch, but take the responsibility of intervening to protect the victims and bring the transgressors back to order. I'm Joseph Tullock. As usual, on Saturdays, Pope Francis met with the prefect of the Diocese for Bishops, Cardinal Robert Francis Prevost. The Pope also met in separate audiences with the Apostolic Nuncio in Belgium and Luxembourg, Archbishop Franco Coppola, the Apostolic Nuncio in Cameroon and Equatorial Guinea, Archbishop Jose Avelino Betancourt, and with Bishop Lazardo Estrada Herrera, the Peruvian Secretary-General of the Latin American and Caribbean Episcopal Council, better known as Selam. Pope Francis is to preside over Holy Mass in St. Peter's Basilica on Sunday morning for the canonization of Blessed Maria Antonia of St. Joseph de Pasi Figueroa, known as Mama Antula. The Argentinian-born nun founded the House of Spiritual Exercises of Buenos Aires. 
Our listeners on shortwave radio in West Africa can follow the live commentary in English of the canonization mass from the 17735 kHz frequency beginning at 9.25 a.m. local time in Rome or 8.25 GTC. The frequency, once again, is 17735 kHz on the 16-meter band. The Mass and the Midday Angelos will also be streamed live on Vatican Media channels. In a post on X, formerly Twitter, on Saturday, Pope Francis said the saints shine with reflected light. Their simple daily actions show the loving presence of God who makes the impossible possible, the Pope wrote. Meanwhile, in a telegram of condolences, Pope Francis has recalled the years of dedicated service of the late president of Namibia, Hage Gengob, who passed away on the 4th of February at the age of 82. In his telegram addressed to Mr. Gengob's successor, Nangolo Mumba, Pope Francis extended his condolences and his prayers to the late president's family, the government and the Namibian people. The Holy Father concluded his telegram by commending the soul of Mr. Gengob to the mercy of Almighty God and invoking upon the nation divine blessings of consolation and peace. Mr. Gengob, who was serving the final months of his second term as president, passed away as he was undergoing treatment for cancer in Namibia's capital, Wintook. Pope Francis has accepted the resignation from the pastoral care of the Diocese of Nouakchott in Mauritania, presented by Bishop Martin Harpe, a member of the Missionaries of Africa. At the same time, the Pope appointed Father Victor Ndione as the new Bishop of Nouakchott. The Bishop-elect has been serving as Vicar General of the same diocese. Father Ndione was born on the 1st of April 1973 in Thiers, Senegal. After completing his studies in philosophy in the Major Seminary of Brin in Jiganshore, and theology in the major seminary of Sebi Kotane in Dakar. He was ordained a priest on the 7th of July 2001 for the Diocese of Thiers. After his ordination, he first served as parish vicar of St. Joseph of Ndondol until 2003. He started his service in Mauritania in 2003 as a fide donum priest of the Diocese of Nouakchott. He later became the first priest to be incarnated in the diocese on the 19th of March 2014, serving alongside 10 religious priests. Shortly after, Bishop-elect Victor Ndione did a course at the Institute of Islamic Christian Formation in Bamako in Mali, and in 2018, he was awarded a licentiate degree after completing his studies at the Pontifical Institute of Arabic and Islamic Studies in Rome. The diocese in the predominantly Muslim country of Mauritania was erected on the 18th of December 1965. As the Church prepares to mark the 11th February, World Day of the Sikh, Catholic bishops in Tanzania are appealing to the people of God in the East African nation to voluntarily donate blood as a way of demonstrating their love for the life of others. In a video message, the President of the Tanzania Episcopal Conference, Archbishop Gervais Nyaishonga, says that the annual event is to be marked in Tanzania under the theme, Show Love to Patients, Donate Blood, Save Lives. You are tuned to the Africa Service of Vatican Radio. African News Panorama
The UN Children's Agency UNICEF said on Friday that 700,000 children in Sudan were likely to suffer from the worst form of malnutrition this year and tens of thousands will likely die as a consequence of the country's 10-month-long civil war. James Elder, spokesperson for UNICEF, told a press conference in Geneva that the agency won't be able to treat more than 300,000 of those 700,000 without improved access and without additional support. The war that erupted in mid-April between Sudan's army and the paramilitary rapid support forces has devastated the country's infrastructure, prompting warnings of famine. The war has also displaced millions of people inside and outside the country. UNICEF is appealing for $840 million US dollars to help just over 7.5 million children in Sudan this year, but Mr. Elder deplored the lack of funds collected in previous appeals. And in Liberia, in a bid to tackle drug abuse in the country, newly sworn-in President Joseph Bwakai has passed a drugs test and has asked officials in his administration to take the test. The Liberian leader underwent the test for drugs and illegal substances this week after promising to do so during his address to the legislature on the 29th of January, just a week after he was sworn in. During his address to the lawmakers, President Bwakai declared drug abuse a national health emergency. The drugs epidemic, especially the use of kush, is disturbing. It's destroying the youth and future generation of our country, he said. Neighboring Sierra Leone is also facing a similar problem with kush, a drug made out of a mixture of cannabis, chemicals, medicine and other substances. You're tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Hello and welcome to the world around us. News about our environment. I am Festus Tarawali. The European Union's Climate Change Monitoring Service said on Thursday that the world has just experienced its warmest January on record, marking the first 12-month period in which temperatures averaged more than 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial times. The previous warmest January was in 2020, according to the Copernicus Climate Change Service records, which go back to 1950. Countries agreed at the UN climate talks in Paris in 2015 to keep global warming well below 2 degrees Celsius and aim to limit it to 1.5 degrees Celsius, a level which is seen as crucial to help avoid the most damaging impacts. Some scientists have said the 1.5 degrees aim can no longer realistically be met and have urged governments to act faster to cut CO2 emissions to limit the amount of overshoot of the target. In its report in November last year, the World Meteorological Organization, the UN Weather Agency, also said that 2023 could be the hottest year ever and that the last 10 years have proven to be the warmest decade so far. Petteri Talas, Secretary General of the UN Agency, told UN News's Sachin Gaur back then that the average temperatures for 2023 had increased close to the 1.5 degrees target limit as laid out by the Paris Climate Agreement in 2015. One of the key findings is that uh, this year is going to be the warmest year on record. Uh, 
We have already achieved 1.4 degrees warming, and that's so far the warmest year since 1850. We have also broken records in main greenhouse gases, carbon dioxide, methane and nitrous oxide, and carbon dioxide we are now 150% above the pre-industrial concentrations. And we have started seeing growing amount of disasters related to weather, and in many parts of the world we have broken less comfortable temperature records in Japan, parts of Asia, in Europe, in North America, and also parts of South America. And we have seen a boost in the in the melting of glaciers. For example, in Switzerland, we have lost more than 10% of our glacier mass during the past two summers only, which is a record so far. And when it comes to global sea ice, We have seen a record low amount of sea ice in, in, in the Antarctic area, which is a new finding. In the Arctic, we have seen this declining trend uh, only for, for, for a long time. And then we have seen uh, forest fires uh, in Canada. They, they, they faced their biggest forest fires since they started uh, their recordings. Uh, and also in Hawaii, we had very devastating forest fires. And in, in Europe, we have seen both uh, drought and heat waves uh, hitting uh, most parts of uh, southern and central uh, part of Europe. Uh, and then we had very severe flooding event, uh, which was hitting Greece, uh, uh, Turkey, especially Libya, where we got uh, more than 10,000 uh, casualties. 2023 is going to be or on track to be the warmest year on record. But last eight, nine years have also been the warmest. So, so the last decade has been the warmest decade the on warmest record, decade. And, and, and this is going to be the warmest year on record since yeah. 1850. So what does this trend tell us and why should it worry us? So this is demonstrating that we are already fairly close to the low limit of Paris Agreement, 1.5 degrees. And many countries would like to keep us at the 1.5 degrees warming, which will be the best for the welfare of mankind and biosphere. And unfortunately, we are already fairly close to that limit, at least on a temporary basis. To keep the 1.5 degrees goal uh, alive, we need to cut greenhouse gas emissions. But adaptation, building resilience is equally important. What is the progress like on the early warning system initiative, which was launched by the Secretary General last year, which promises to bring everyone under the umbrella of early warning systems by 2027? What has been the progress so far? Besides mitigation, as you said, uh, it's very important to pay attention to adaptation because the negative trend in weather patterns continues until 2060s, independent of our success in mitigation and uh, sea level rise and uh, melting of glaciers game we have already lost. That may continue for the coming thousands of, uh, of years. And one very powerful way to adapt to climate change is to invest in early warning services. That was Petteri Talas. Secretary General of the World Meteorological Organization, speaking there to UN News's Sachin Gaur. And that's all for this edition of The World Around Us, news about our environment. Till the same time next week, I am Festos Tarawali. You are tuned to the Africa service of Vatican Radio. Praised be Jesus Christ. Laudetur Jesus Christus.